Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good afternoon from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom is here, Drew is here, and Don is here. Don, it's been a while. Yes, it has. What you been doing? Uh, A lot of sweating. Don is coming off a bug-killing bender, Tom. I'm, I'm surprised we could actually track him down. This has been one heck of a insect month. Crop. Six-week period. Okay, crop. crop. We'll go with crop. crop. Fine. Crop. So, hey, so here's my podcast question. We always do this, how many. Don, how many stink bugs do you think you've killed in the last 45 days? Ooh, don't know. I have a... I probably have a better question of how many loopers have I counted in the last month? I'll allow it. Well, That's actually, in the thousands. I was actually going to say, if you would just allow the host and co-host to ask the questions, then things would go more smoothly. But, you know, that that's fine, too. How many insecticide <laughs> treatments have you sprayed in the last month? It's over 50, easily. Tom, you any idea? Tom's been backpacking all of his, so... I backpacked a bunch of bunch of things on it. Was just a little easier. Some of those beans were lodged, and I just felt like that would. Plus, it's, it turns into a good workout. That's fine. Well, our deal is we don't have that many products anymore, so it's hard to have huge numbers of treatments. That's true. We have too many products and too many iterations. So you didn't ever give me a number. How many three gallon cans have you sprayed this year? Well, no, like in the last since since it all heated up here on the backside. Oh, not not many. Probably 30. It's not very many, Tom. No, it's not. It's not really that fun sweeping and counting loopers in between rains. No. In, in rain gear in, in rubber boots. It's not that fun. <clears throat> I felt for you. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I, <laughs> given uh, circumstances, I probably would have come help you, though. <laughs> I, I think I was chopping cotton one day, and I said, uh, hey, I'm chopping cotton. What are you doing? He said, man, I would come help. <laughs> so, uh, seriously. <laughs> I guarantee, Except for the fact I I'm laid up at home with my... you if I'd have had two feet to walk on. Now we can't or two ex- feet I was able to walk on. We can't exclude, Drew. It's well, been a hot year. It's been a hot year. So how many rolls of polypop? We've already asked him something like that I know this, we, we, this year. We, so are things bigger in Texas? Always. <laughs> No. <laughs> how, how do you even respond to that? When you go from polypipe to that, how do you even respond to that? Just stream of conscious. What did you expect? I was going to get to Drew. I was working around the circle. Y'all's stuff is more recent than Drew's. We stopped watering stuff a month ago. Really? I ran some yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, but that stuff you planted in August. Oh, yeah. We, we rolled up polypipe weeks ago. That's except for maybe stuff on some of the soybeans that may need another watering, actually, but it's late planted. Drew, so do y'all roll all your pipe up before you cut, or do you wait till you cut and then roll your pipe up? We roll it up. Then cut. Then cut. I think, all, I think all ours is still down, maybe. I'm trying to picture... Ours is kind of hard to see for the pigweeds. I will say that my field is nastier in September this year than in recent memory. I'm not sure what we did different. Or is it because you've actually driven by it because you long to be back outside and on your feet? I have driven by it several times this week just to... Make sure people know you're yeah. still around. Yeah. I got got my eyes on you at this point. Hey, I helped Matt yesterday. Matt needed a stepladder, so he got in the truck with me. I drove him back up. 
to the shop compound to get the ladder so he could climb up and they were working on the sensors and stuff on the combine. See, I was, I'm disappointed in that statement. I, I was convinced productive. you were going to work the scooter into that. No, goodness, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, there's the scooter off into the rice double. That's I yeah, learned that probably wouldn't se- end well. <laughs> I learned several weeks ago that wasn't going to – that's it's not, not a possibility. As, it's not as all-terrain as what it appears. Uh-uh. It's kind of like the folks that have a four-wheel drive vehicle that you know is never going to be doing any four-wheel drive with those tires and that paint job. Don, what do you think was the most memorable thing you saw this year? Hmm. Probably some of the defoliation we have here in, on some beans here from bloopers. I mean, it's we have some plots that I, you could conservatively say are greater than 95% defoliated. So when you walk out in the plot, does it make you giggle? Uh, well, it's something you know pretty much only an entomologist going to really fully appreciate because it's like, Man, this is outstanding. Where everybody else is like, this is just a disaster. <laughs> Tom, can you picture Don giggling on the turn row? Not like I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he does that uh, inside, so it's an internal giggle. I cackle is what I tend to do sometimes <laughs> when things look so ludicrous. Like, wow, I can't believe there's that much disease on whatever it is. So, Drew, how was life in the, de- in the Delta when it finally turned hot and dry. I don't think you've been back on here since you <laughs> made it stop raining. Still have recovering you? from actually doing doing the irrigation. Oh, no, no, no. We had you on here for the corn when it meant it rained. I think two times in a row. We, yeah, I we, think we, we... So should we take a picture of the forecast, and then once this is finished and in the box, so to speak, and see if the forecast changes, it's going to rain? Oh, no, we don't, don't jinx it. It's... Forecast is good right now. We're no, it's ten days. It's going to be a hundred degrees next Wednesday yeah, again. So no rain. So that's, we don't we're not jinxing anything at this point. It's not irrigation season though. So it I don't think Drew has that power now. If we were still in irrigation season, maybe, but I think his powers like cease in August or something. So it's cool. So you didn't answer the question. You've lived a pretty charmed existence since you've been here, right? <laughs> Like I need to defend myself every time I, every time it rains. Every time it rains, I get a text. Drew must be living the life. You've been an entity and a mainstay in Stoneville now for several years, and it's been you know pretty easy living. I haven't That's really right. necessarily. Just imagine to, if I wasn't here. Man, wouldn't you hate? Wouldn't you hate to be the guy that has to apologize for it raining in June? I'm sorry. That's <laughs> that would be a tough life to live, Drew. It's tough. We had a little hotter, drier summer this year. Um, still, I think the two main questions we always get is that first irrigation and then when can we turn it off on that last irrigation. So that kind of stayed the same. But this year, you just saw less margin for error on irrigation, whether that was timing or application, you know, uniformity. Or, you know, if there's something that, that was covered up, the last few years, maybe that's infiltration. It's it's sealed up and moving across, and they're not getting it. Or your your uniformity's off, and you're not evenly getting it across the field, or you're messing up on your timing. Those are the issues. That's the thing that stands out the most for me this year, comparing to the last. Is just the issues that have probably always been there, but they're just showing showing up because of the of the hot and dry summer. Do you think you'll have some good comparisons to talk about this winter? 
because surely there's going to be lots of questions about any years where we've had more rainfall and it hasn't been as hot. Yeah, from the on-station research side of things, this is the year that we need. I mean, just to be able to look at differences. I mean, it, it's that's the hard part about regularly getting that rain on an irrigation research when we're looking at timing or effects of whatever that is we're looking at. The last few years, we just hadn't seen much because the later uh, irrigation timings that we're looking at doesn't show a lot of difference because they're getting they're getting rain uh, almost as much as the irrigated plots are. That's going to be exciting to kind of see and see if something jumps out a little bit differently. And we've been going through some. We we you know we're starting to see some preliminary stuff with that, and and we are seeing some things that we hadn't seen the last couple of years. Don always talks about his stuff getting up and moving. You know, his critters, like he likes to call them, and this is kind of the same thing. You know, Drew can he can do everything right for three or four months and then get two or three rains and stuff just basically your results at least just basically poop out it's gone yeah so we we're excited the grad students on some of those projects are a little more excited about seeing some of those results with a with a year like this what about you what's going on 2022 in the disease world it's been a fascinating wrap-up that's that's all i can say i think i've learned a good bit this year that I didn't see in years past target spot dilemma that I think everybody freaks out about. I think it's been, a, it was wet for that period of time. I don't remember when that really started. I'd say about the time we got back from MAIC, then through the beginning of September, we definitely saw a really different rainfall pattern. I almost had been saying pretty regularly that it was like two different summers, hot and dry for a good period of time. And then all of a sudden it started to rain a good bit. And that definitely factored into a lot of the lower canopy defoliation, soybeans, cotton. So that was, that was certainly a, a fascinating thing to see. And then, of course, the seed quality questions that have started. I think our regular understanding of, oh, things just have to stay super, super wet. I think any moisture at specific growth stages when you precede harvest, just immediately before harvest, can be detrimental to soybean seed quality. I think we learned a lot on that front this year. What do you think about soil texture? How's it play into that? I spent a good bit of time wrapping my head around that one, and I think some of that could just be related to overall plant nutrition. So it's not what the nutrients are in the soil. It's how that plant accumulates, assimilates, and moves things around throughout the season and through periods of growth and development and all the rest of that. And that's just my limited understanding of basic kind of fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants agronomy. And then, of course, the roundup on variety trials. That, that's been the Crystal Springs location has just been astonishing how things have changed so rapidly down there. And some of the diseases that occurred there, you know, take-home message from the plant pathologist is the breeding side of things has really suffered the last few years and I think a lot of that is we've pushed to get things in a bag with a specific herbicide trait and we've not paid any attention to how the variety responds to the environment or looks when it comes to a disease standpoint. I walked by some varieties that were just a shock, absolute shock, like wow, there's nothing left after whatever that disease was that blew through that plot. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures that you have. It's pretty impressive. And some of that, that was, that was anthracnose. Soybean anthracnose is not one that we run across. And I seriously spent at least 30 to 60 minutes on my belly 
between the last two trips to Crystal Springs <laughs> trying to figure out what on earth I was looking at. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. Well, I, now, do, I do spend time it was on my interesting mental picture. It was a mental picture. At, at and then my brain went from you on your belly between two rows of soybeans. Then I was thinking, I bet Don's been on his belly a time or two just chasing critters. And then I thought, huh, if Drew gets on his belly at his plots, he's going to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> You can drown in two inches of water, so you got to be careful there. So that's just, <laughs> that's just a little insight. Drew may need a snorkel. Well, insight into the way my brain works. Yeah, I'm not shy about getting down hands and knees. There are plenty of times you have to do that. That's a that's a hard thing. And then, of course, the conversation with somebody that, well, how do I look for this? Well, you really don't necessarily have a time as a crop consultant to spend time on your hands and knees trying to track down what you're looking at. And then, of course, you know, picture after picture after picture. I look like a tourist. All right, Jason, you've done a good job of kind of herding the conversation around what those of the rest of us in the studio have seen. But prior to you taking on your scooter over here in the corner, what did you see or gather as a valuable experience from 2022 in the weed science world? Ryegrass is bad. Is that succinct enough for you? I think that builds on some of the things you've said over the years. I mean, I can remember some of those presentations you've given where you show those pictures of ryegrass competition and corn and all the rest of that and field after field after field covered up with ryegrass. So what's what's the take-home message at this point? Because now we're getting into that. Yeah, now we've wrapped back around into ryegrass season now. So, yeah, no, it was bad last year. You know, if you move on through the summer, the wind blew for several weeks. That was fun. It's always a challenge to spray around that. Then Drew mentioned the heat. That hit us pretty good, too, on the, I guess, the latter half of the spraying season, or we control spraying season. Sorry, Don. That's all right. So we dealt with a lot of, I guess, poor control, a lot of it related to environment. I started to say decently smooth other than that because that was obviously a big deal in June and the after effects of it into July. We didn't have a major issue. There was a group of issues. A lot of it, I think, was related to environment. And so I was thinking about Drew and him saying that it was different and then you know getting good data this year. And I, I suspect that some of the stuff that I dealt with this year may not deal with next year, just simply being different environment and the intensity of the ryegrass problem being one i think some of our winter weather last year factored into that and, and hopefully if we maybe had a good winter a real winter would soften the blow there some but who knows how's all this tillage going to factor into that i mean there, there's been a ton of field work done in a lot of the places i've run around the last few weeks I would say that as of right now, most of that was probably too early to influence the ryegrass problem. I know there's been some up, but not enough to for this to really influence it. Flip side or the additional side of that is early on, May, between ryegrass and wheat, we had huge populations of rye stink bugs early a lot earlier than I ever seen numbers that big, which you know translates into if you got rice in the area, that translates into it, you know having to deal with them there. But it was just huge numbers. It was surprising the numbers that we saw and we're hearing about you know early in wheat and in ryegrass as well. Yeah, and following what you 
would consider a fairly harsh winter. There were some weeks where it was pretty rough, pretty cold. Uh, no, it was from an insect standpoint. We had a period in about March when it, when it snowed. That was really the, the harsh temperatures that we had, and it was really not enough because we've got raging populations of red bandits in any green beans right now. We've got southern green stink bugs about, and neither one of those are very cold tolerant. So I would say overall from an entomology standpoint, the winter was very mild. It's pretty cold that night we skinned those deer in your backyard. Yes, it was, but it didn't last. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a little chilly. <laughs> but, you know, the, the next day it, was, it warmed up. Yeah. So it, we didn't have any sustained periods of cold weather. Right. Which is what you need with some of these to deal with some of these insect pests. Tom's on his phone, killing the flow of the conversation. I'm sorry. Just to kind of add on to that a little bit. You already said that once. Well, I'm sorry. I'll, and I'll probably do it again. <laughs> Can you phrase that a different way? <clears throat> In addition to. Word, so. <laughs> Furthermore. <laughs> thusly. In 2017, I was asked about red bandits and beans, and I told somebody, I said, if we have another mild winter, my recommendation is not to plant beans after May 15th. And this year we had a decent amount of late beans and wheat beans, and there are some folks that have had a bear of a time dealing with red bandits because of that. And, you know, everybody around them is desiccating beans and cutting beans and they're sucking them in to green beans and it is tough five or six years later if we have another mild winter plant early do not plant late beans or it may not be pretty is it too early in the year to ask what you were most excited about from this year drew have you looked at enough stuff you know that y'all did this year to say who that was pretty cool wonder what it's gonna look like next year Probably a little too early. I mean, I just sat and looked at some data before I came in here, yeah. and, and we looked at some infiltration uh, differences and in some of that soil that, that tends to seal up, and and I didn't see anything that jumped out in that data. Yeah. Uh, so, but but with that notion, is that's what I saw off station, but on farm is the biggest, this is not exciting, this is more of an issue that, that jumped out, but having the water infiltration issue whether that they need to subsoil or, or slow down their furrow flow in there just to try to get it. That's what jumped out to me the most um, is, is having that infiltration issue on those, uh, you know, silt loams that, that tend to seal over. So we have a couple studies that are on that that we're trying to look at different uh, ways. And so hopefully we'll be able to see some differences that jump out. Tom, you mentioned target spot. What else you – I know you hadn't had time to really <clears throat> no, sit I, I down hadn't. and when, when digest the, anything. When Drew was saying he started looking at data, I'm like, oh, I'm not done collecting data, so I haven't even had a chance to sit down and look at it. But I, I think the one thing I can say is is stay tuned. We're, we're going to have what I hope to be some good information on curvularia, leaf spot, and corn. That's the one I still get a lot of questions about. So much so that, that um, a former corn breeder, who you and I both know, had, had made some pretty fascinating comments about how much more of that particular plant disease he's seeing right now or during this season than he has in the past. And I think he's gotten some people to recognize that 
we really need to embrace that particular organism as potentially being a problem. And I think based on some of the plot work we did this year, uh, if, if, the, if the yield data will hold with what some of the fungicide data may show, I think we should be able to see if there's much of a yield reduction with that particular disease because I continue to get asked questions about that. And that's not been easy to do. And I won't dive off into the whole pathology thing there, but it's really hard to evaluate plots when you're looking at multiple diseases. Then it's hard to tease that out in your yield data at the end of the season, especially when you get you know, blown away with southern rust. Uh, and I think we should have some, some good, valuable information by the time we get to short course. I, mean, I rate like five different weed species in my stuff. Yeah, but <clears throat> the complexities associated with something like southern rust means that that's the pretty big yield reducer and something that might be a minimal yield reducer like curvularia. So what are you saying? My stuff is just overly simplified? I didn't say that. I'm you said that. Here. Thanks, Don. <laughs> Thanks for the lifesaver, life preserver there. Your stuff is a whole lot bigger than his, so it's easier to look at. <laughs> yeah, there is that. When, when well, that's the simple thing that jumps out to me. Big weeds. You don't have to crawl on your belly. This is true. Not if I can help it. He could scoot down the row. I'm also doing mine in April and not in August. There is that. Yeah. yeah I tell you, it was a hot one for sure. Lord. I always feel bad for y'all. And Don always tells me, don't worry about it. Tom and I are very similar. And, you know, there's other folks as well that for a period of time to this, during the summer, our natural state is just wet. There's never a dry moment. Those people that have visited Stone will know that I regularly walk around with a beach towel, either over my shoulders or around my waist, because it's just it's pointless. There's no point in changing clothes midday because it's just, just going to get wet again. But not because you don't have pants on. Right? No, 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 no. That's, just just because is, that's it would right. be easily accessible. That's right. It tries to help dry out the fact that my pants are soaked at that point. Yeah. I'm still interested in this uh, safe for all audiences rating. <laughs> well, Tom and I have an, an another, I don't know if he'd call it issue, but neither one of us have enough hair to soak up sweat, so it just runs down in your right. eyes all the time. It's a flood. It, Okay, I think that's going to be a, a good place <laughs> to stop. We've got Tom on his belly, then with a beach towel around his waist, and then... Any any additional pitches for the fall? I mean, I know we're probably getting ready for a preliminary schedule for the row crop short course. I was going to I was going to mention that. Is Any, it too anybody? soon to mention the short course? I don't think it's too I don't think it's ever too soon to mention the short course. Give some dates. Basically, say that Whitney's probably going to have that preliminary agenda online here. I'd say at least within the next fourteen days. I don't know about the schedule on that, but I, it it will be sooner than later. That's right. So that's December. 5th, 6th, and 7th. If I remember right, yes. At the yeah. mill in Starkville. Right. I think it'll be a great meeting. It always is. So plan ahead, folks. And Drew, Don, thank you. It's good to see you all for a few minutes. And I'm sure Don's happy that he can sit in the air conditioning for a little bit longer. It doesn't matter anymore. No, it doesn't matter anymore. No. Drew, thanks for having me on. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. 